Welcome to Artist Praxis Podcast, where artists make meaning of their art making. Every week, we hear one artist's creative process, learning all about their most recent finished project. We discuss everything artists work with, from materials to thoughts, from dreams to gestures, from feelings to tools. At Artist Praxis Podcast, we stand for inclusivity and curiosity, connectivity and human warmth. Hello, we are Deborah and Sarah. It is our pleasure to share with you another episode of the Artist Praxis Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. In this interview, we talked with artist Ashley Browning about her recent work that is on view on our website artistpraxis.com and on Instagram at artistpraxis. We experienced a unique perspective on time through Ashley's painting process. You can find out more about her work at her website ashleybrowning.com and on Instagram at browning19. We have all the links listed on our show notes. Here at Artist Praxis, we talk in detail about the making of one work of art. Our interviews begin with the artist describing their work, and we end our conversation on the words play, rest, and nurture. We hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, my name is Ashlyn Browning, and I'm a painter uh, here in Raleigh, North Carolina in the U.S. And uh, I guess the best way to go about describing my work, it's kind of a, a hybrid of uh, organic and geometric forms. And I paint in a very intuitive way. I don't begin with a, a study or a plan or a sketch or anything. It's really all about the kind of stumbling and bumbling my way into the painting, into the finished image that uh, evolves as the process goes. I never know what's going to happen. And really, for me, I think that's the most exciting part, uh, just the process and getting to that, that end point, uh, which for me, I don't know that there ever is an end point because I tend to rework my paintings over and over and over, um, often for months or even years. And, you know, I guess I, I call my paintings abstract and they are, but in a way I think of them also as portraits in a sense. I kind of hesitate to call them self-portraits because that puts too much, I don't know, attention on me or makes it too too personal for me to feel comfortable. But um, I do see the forms as kind of these living, breathing entities. So in a way, I think of them as kind of stand-ins for figures, um, for, for people, I guess. Um, so yes, they're abstract, but again, to me, they um, have kind of moods, personalities, distinct postures that I relate to. I empathize with them. I think of them as as friends, I suppose, uh, portraits, sides of myself, sides of people I know. And so in that way, they, they seem very um, personified to me, that they are um, not just forms, geometric organic forms, but in fact, um, kind of living entities themselves. So uh, could you describe to us uh, this painting that we are seeing today in the show that is A Light Shines in the Dark? That's the title of it, right? Yeah, so this painting is, again, one of those reworked paintings that gets, you know, you think it's done. This has even been exhibited, I know, at least two different times with two completely different lives, uh, two finished paintings underneath that are now buried under uh, other layers so um, this one, yeah, was pushed back in the corner of the studio off thinking it was, it was done. And 
during the past year, of course, with COVID and everything, I couldn't access new panels. I, um, so reworking paintings kind of took on a new meeting during the last year because it was part practical. Hey, these are the panels you have. You got to make do. You got to rework them if you want to be able to work at, at least at this size. This is one of my larger pieces. I was able to buy small panels, but I couldn't get the new the large ones. Um, so there was that practical aspect, but also um, really just, I love the effect of reworking a piece. Um, one, I want to get to a place where I'm completely satisfied with it, where it, again, as I said earlier, it feels like a living entity. And, and before, again, I thought they were finished, but I just wasn't quite there with them. I wasn't quite satisfied. So to pull a piece out of the corner and decide to rework it is, is pretty exciting because you've got, you've already got some layers there. You know, when you start a blank painting with white gesso, it can be a little intimidating, you know, okay, starting from scratch, here we go. But when I rework an old painting, I use a razor, I scrape it down. You're, you're getting some of that history from the old painting. So it's almost like jumping to the middle point of a, of a piece, that kind of that really great area where there's something there, there's some texture, there's some color, there's some washes of, of, of former paint, but everything's still wide open. You know, the painting can go any direction at that point still. So I, I really love reworking old pieces because you jump almost straight to the, the most satisfying part of the piece. So um, yeah, if you look at the piece, you, you're going to see all those kind of ghost layers underneath of the older work. And again, you're going to see the razored kind of worn weathered surfaces. And I went back into this one with, well, doing that dark wash in the back, which I, I don't, this is a pretty, I wouldn't say unique. It's not not the only time I've done this, but it's rare for me to go in with, with that dark color as the background. Um, and then the white outline that, that outlines the form, uh, that's something I do fairly often. I'll, I'll, for me, it's all about kind of balance. You know, you've got this, you've got these organic forms, you've got these hard-edged geometric forms, you've got washes of color, you've got thick opaque paint with, with texture. It's just kind of push and pull, the, the uh, yin yang opposites. I, I love kind of playing in that area. So um, that kind of crisp white outline to me forms almost like an exoskeleton kind of, kind of it's with all the interior of the form. Again, if you're thinking about it as a personified entity, I feel like the interior is vulnerable, it's fragile, it almost needs protection. So the white outline, I feel like it functions as a, um, yeah, something of a skeleton, something as a shield to protect that inner inner form. <laughs> so that's that's a long ramble about that. <laughs> I'm very very curious about this reworking, uh, especially because uh, for me, when I encountered this piece, I didn't see what came before. And when you tell me that it was actually already exhibited a couple of times and uh, yet you go back to reworking it, I'm very curious about how, especially thinking about the uh, entity in it, I, I wonder if you could elaborate more on this relationship that you establish in terms, um, in terms of memory, in terms of what came before these. And I don't know when this painting uh, starts if it's starting that very first time that you started doing it, or if it starts now, how 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 can you talk more about this? That's an excellent question. I and and I didn't, but I should do this. Send you images of the two former lives, the two finished paintings before. I'll, I'll do that. 
Well, I don't, I guess in some kind of broader philosophical way, you could almost parallel it to, you know, your larger life. It's this ongoing journey and all the mishaps and accidents and things that are bad or satisfying, they all are part of this larger process, right? So maybe it's, maybe it's just a way of rationalizing that, you know, all the paintings before that were, didn't turn out well, wasn't just a bunch of wasted time and paint, (laughs) but it's kind of nice to think about it, right? That, that all of the steps along the way had to happen to get to this point, the satisfying point, which who knows, 10 years from now, am I going to rework this again? I don't think, but never say never. So yeah, it's interesting to think about all that, the, the memory, the life experience, the where you were at that point, uh, making the painting, it all goes into it. I, I think of the work as roughly half and half, 50% kind of autobiographical of what's going on in my life at the time. And 50% maybe just, you know, the act of painting, the dialogue between the push and pull of, of making the painting, what paint can do, what it, its limitations and its, its different capacities. But um, I think, you know, maybe I gave the title to this piece with the perspective of it was finished in this last year of, of COVID and everything. And here we are in quarantine and this politics and disease, just one insane year, right? So I guess... If indeed this painting is finished, which I think it is, I think it's a good um, reflection of that last year and the yellow, the, the light, the sense of perseverance and resilience in that form amidst this dark kind of moody, angsty background. It's a, maybe a nice metaphor for um, yeah, a light shines on the dark that we got through this time or we're getting through this time and there's hope and you know resilience on the other side. If I could uh, press just a little bit more on this uh, idea of the reworking, uh, because with painting, there is no limit really in terms of layers that you could put on a painting, right? So when reworking this painting, one of the choices you would have would be to just add more, la- more layers and work on top. Um, I'm wondering, because you said that you scrape and uh, you sand it, right? Where do you find the point that you stop scraping and how do you make this decision that you actually need to remove some layers before putting something else on it? Right. Uh, Another great question. Um, So I work in oil on wood panel. So just again, like practically speaking, you know, oil paint, you can only build it up so much before it's just, it's going to take on a really weird surface and, and just not respond very well. So yeah, the first step of the reworking is is definitely the removing. There's there's a whole lot of that scraping off the texture, so that if I do want to go in with a nice clean layer, not uh, or a straight, you know, perfect edge line, that the bumps aren't going to get in my way. So yeah, pragmatically speaking, it's it's a lot of removing. But then the, once I've gotten it to that somewhat raw smooth surface um then I can go back and add opaque layers of paint and I I guess this comes back to the autobiographical part um I'm pretty introverted pretty reserved kind of anxious that that kind of person so in my work there's always this push and pull of revealing and concealing and again that comes down to maybe a, a, a parallel with the adding and subtracting the paint um, I think there's windows into these under layers, again, uh, like a direct kind of correlation to myself, how much I want to show, how much I want to, you know, reveal and conceal. And so all my paintings have these portals or windows into other layers, under layers rather. 
And then some surfaces are built up, again, almost, you know, hiding or obfuscating um, certain things. So there's, that's a perfect example of the, the personal and the pragmatic paint application. Does that, does that fully answer <laughs> the reworking? Uh, yes, I, I think it does. At the same time, I'm very curious about the moment of decision of reworking this one specific painting. Right. You mentioned the COVID last time and like having to work on this painting. Um, but I'm wondering if you could tell us in more detail, perhaps, uh, the past lives of this painting, uh, what it was and uh, how you came to it now. And right. Um, so I, there's two distinct paintings I can remember underneath it. It's so funny. Come, now I'm looking at it. And I can in my mind see exactly the paintings. And, and like I said, I'll send you images of them. Um, one of them was this kind of isolated form, and this was maybe, I don't know the dates exactly, but maybe could be as long as eight to nine years ago. Um, there was an image, you can see the blue in the center of the painting, kind of that light blue. Uh, it almost looked like a screen. It looks exactly like what I'm looking at right now. And I think maybe, I don't know, subconsciously, possibly it was, it was a, um, image almost of a screen. I think that the title is even screen time or something. I don't know. And I don't know. I can't, I'm not sure I can access where I was 10 years ago making that painting, but I remember it's second life or it had many, but another distinct finished time was I put it on Instagram and kind of joked about it that, okay, this looks like a flamingo. I can see a flamingo and I can't unsee the flamingo. So like, I'm unhappy with this. <laughs> it took on this very strange, um, kind of angular pink form that yeah it looked like a little bird and so it, it just in the moment when I made it it was kind of funny and silly to me I guess that's where I was at that at that time um but over over months or the last year it, it looked just too um silly <laughs> too uh frivolous I guess is the word and I just wasn't satisfied with it so in this dark, angsty last year, that's where I was. And that's where this, this painting came to be. So again, who knows? In a few years, I'm pretty happy with it. I don't think this will get redone, but I've said that before. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yes. And then how how is it that this new entity, is it the same entity as the ones before, but that is evolving and changing? That's a really good question. Wow. These are great. Deborah. Um Wow, I gosh, I think it's different. Again, I, I don't know why it feels icky to say it's myself, but I, I think they're all different sides of myself, honestly. And I'm a very changeable, I guess, moody kind of person. And uh, I think it's just showing different reflections of myself. I'm a bit of a loner and all the forms, almost always, I, I can't say every single time, but they're almost always singular forms. And they're usually... As you can see, this one, the way I read it, the way I made it is that the, the back is the right side and it's um, the posture or the, the positioning of the, of the body is facing uh, to the left. So the, the face, if you will, is, is kind of that blue triangle on the yellow. That's the head region, I guess you'd say. That, that's the way I read it. And um, I think that relates to my to myself, to my body posturing, I'm, I'm always more comfortable kind of, I guess, being a wallflower, so to speak, but of my own desire. I'm, I'm usually 
feel best or most comfortable kind of in a corner or to the, to the side or something like that. Uh, observing. I'm an observer rather than wanting to be observed. And I think that's a common trait in, in my paintings, that the forms all are somewhat loners who are introspective, layered, literally and, you know, metaphorically and or figuratively. So wait, I lost track of the original question. <laughs> it was like uh, how much um, the entity, yeah, if it's the same entity that is changing yes. over time, or it becomes a new entity. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I could paint it either way. I, I could say it either way that they're separate, completely separate, or they're different sides of the same. And I don't, I don't know that I know honestly, but they each have, um, to me anyway, a very, a very distinct personality. I've done paintings that are um, where the form is very uh, kind of brazen and flamboyant and and yeah that that there is that side of me and I think I can represent that in a painting maybe more than everyday life more comfortably but um, this this guy this and I always call them guys I don't know why not necessarily in a gender kind of way but just I always call my paintings these guys I think he's pretty um, pretty much the best or most accurate representation of me. So when you're talking about the posture and the shape, it gave me a feeling of this painting as almost a, a sculpture. And I'm thinking about these other um, forms, let's say, of art that perhaps relate to your painting because of this entity notion that you're bringing. Uh, and one of the things that I was thinking was this kind of excavating the painting to find the right layer. So thinking in archaeology and now thinking about this posture and this standing of the, the painting, I was thinking about sculpture. And I'm wondering if these more three-dimensional uh, notions make sense to you and uh, how much that plays into your decision to make a painting instead of making I don't know a sculpture or something else yeah it, it's funny I, and people have you know suggested that to me to to try sculpture and I you know ever since undergrad I really can't say that I have I, I I'm much more of a two-dimensional mind I have never had uh, much success three-dimensionally but that's been a really long time and I feel like maybe I should kind of give that a go possibly but I don't know that. Yeah. It's never, it's never been kind of in my tool house to, to work in three dimensions. What I, what I'm uh, going at with this question is really uh, to understand your relationship with painting as a medium, why you choose painting and why going back to specific paintings again with painting <laughs> is so important, you know? Right. I think, um, well, just tactically, uh, tactically speaking, it's it's a good match for me. I love I'm just kind of the lushness, the sensual texture of it, um, everything about it, really. Uh, it's just very appealing to me. And I don't know, it's it's always just been the, my, my main medium. I, I did study uh, printmaking in graduate school. That was actually my thesis show was, was printmaking. Um, but monotypes, which are, of course, very painterly themselves. Um, I think maybe I like the as we said before, the, the way that you can add and subtract, uh, there's no, I, I, I used to work on paper, which was much less forgiving. Uh, I worked in mixed media and drawing on, on paper and my work ethic has changed completely over the years. When I worked on paper, I completely valued immediacy. 
And I, I mean, I was young and stupid, but if a painting wasn't finished or a drawing in like one session, I deemed it inauthentic and not good. I, it was very silly. But now almost the exact opposite. I don't, I feel like I possibly to a fault. I don't feel like a painting is satisfying until it's really been through the ringer. You know, it's, it's layered, it's beat up, it's put aside, it's brought back out. It's like, unless it's tortured me, I, I don't feel like it's like I've earned the painting or something. So big, big change over the years, but um, paint, I think is just in some ways pretty forgiving and working on wood panel. I, I detest working on canvas. I don't like that. The push of it, the, you know, the looseness, I, I love the tightness of a wood panel and that I can scrape it, divot. I mean, that gets a little three-dimensional, I guess. Sometimes divots come out and it's a little bit sculptural, um, but yeah, paint is just my, I don't know, my calling, I guess. <laughs> Can you tell us more about the time that you spend with the painting? Do you spend, uh, I don't know, when you go back to redoing it, right? Do you spend months with it? Do you work in the morning every day? How how do you work in terms of time with this? Right. Um, always, I've always been a morning painter. Um, I, that just kind of fits my natural rhythm really well. Um, I've got two young kids who are in school. So, you know, that just practically working speak, speaking works with their schedule. So I would say like 10 to two is kind of my sweet spot. That's, that's when I work the best and the light is the best in my studio. So um, yeah, that's um, always, always been a morning painter. And as far as these reworked pieces, I think they come a little faster than others um, because like I said in the beginning, you're jumping ahead a few stages. You know, you're not starting with the white, you know, that scary blank um, surface. You, you've got something there to respond to. And I guess, you know, kind of the classic abstract expressionist way of working with put down a mark, respond to that mark, put down a wash of color and just let it evolve very organically. That's the way I always work. It's just that resonates with me. It's the way I was trained. It's just, you know, that's the best fit for me. So to bring out a piece in that already has something to it, um, I can, uh, they, they usually finish pretty quickly from that stage, um, weeks or month, not, yeah, not year. The, the scary thing is just the other day I got, uh, for the first time in actually a couple of years, some new panels delivered to the studio, um, new, large, this size or larger. So here we are, you know, the blank surface, <laughs> it's a little, it's a little intimidating because I haven't done it in so long. I've worked on plenty of small paintings in the last few years, you know, eight by 10, 14 by 11, 20 by 16 with the blank surface, but that's, you know, so, so much smaller, so much less, um, less, uh, a shortened process the, these, I feel like, okay, 10 years from now, these new paintings may be something I feel feel good about. So it'll be interesting to start from scratch again. When you picked that painting to rework, what was the motivation for it? I know that you said that you didn't have any blank new pieces, but why did you pick that specific painting? And Yeah, I, again, it, until they, I, just, I feel like I'll just work them until death until they become alive. I guess that's really the, my the the variable the the factor of um you know when is it done when it's alive and and this and just like you wouldn't harm a living thing you're not i'm not going to go back into this because you know there he is he's he is who he was meant to be i guess but 
when the, the former painting, I told you the kind of silly flamingo painting, it, it was a fleeting thing. I knew it wasn't going to satisfy me for long and it, it didn't feel authentic. It didn't feel alive. So out it comes to get reworked. No, I was, yeah, I was just curious because you said that you had exhibited them. So I'm, I'm kind of feeling like at some point they must have felt alive and then they, and then as time goes by, they feel dead again. And, and, and so I'm interested in that process. Right. That's, that's a great question. You know what? I take it back. The flamingo never got shown other than Instagram. Um, he did not get exhibited, but the, it was, it was called something like screen time. I'll have to look back. He definitely got shown. And I don't, that, yeah, I, maybe my work or not work ethic, but maybe my, the demands I put on it have changed. Maybe I was like, yeah, 90%. He, he seemed, he seemed okay at the time, but um, now I think I'm maybe a little more demanding of them. Like you do not get shown until you are hundred percent alive. <laughs> Settle for nothing less. Can you pinpoint kind of the standards as they're changing, like your, the values that you, or the demands that you have for a painting? Could you, would you be able to even verbalize them or is it very intuitive? That, that's a good question. I, uh, yeah. Other, other than that kind of a live feeling, I don't know. It, once I start to, I think it's the same. In, I was an English major undergrad as well. So I, I see things kind of through that literature eye as well. What is that Hemingway quote, you know, write one true sentence. It, same with painting. Once it feels true and whether it's ugly or embarrassing to show or, or something, you, you know, when a painting is true, when it's authentic, And maybe that's synonymous with alive, the word I keep using. But um, once it feels true, it's, it's done. So sometimes I'll have paintings that they come pretty easy or they're pretty or they're, you know, very graphic. And Instagram can trick you, you know, you, you can't let Instagram play with your head because you can, you know how it is. You can post a painting and yeah, it's got that graphic pop. It looks great, but you know, it's not done. You know, it's not really a good painting. So I really try hard not to be swayed by whatever the likes and everything, but just internally what I feel and when I know it's done and I can't let that sway, you know, whether it's pretty, but not true, it's gotta be, it's gotta be the latter. <laughs> and this specific painting is quite big in comparison to many others. Um, how, how does the size influence maybe your, your work process or the image? Right. So yeah, this one's, 38 by 34, I think. And 34 by 40 is really the largest I go. Just, um, again, logistically, mostly um, what I can fit in my car to take to a show. And also <clears throat> I work on the floor, not, not on the easel or on the wall. So I have to, I'm over the painting. So it's quite physical. I'm, you know, stretching. And <laughs> so for a large piece, um, it can get a little, yeah, exhausting to uh, work all around them and over them and, again, the way I work, because I, I literally just stumble and bumble my way into the finished piece. It, it's, if I had a plan, the way some people work, and I admire it, it's just I can't do it. Knowing how labor-intensive they are, the bigger they are, obviously, just the harder they are. And the more material, and the more paint, and the more time. And um, so it's, it's daunting, kind of, to, to do these large ones. But, um, but satisfying, too, when they, when they do turn out eventually. I was wondering about the scale of the painting and maybe these entities uh, as bodies. As you were talking about portraits, I was just wondering if, I don't know, if maybe it's a silly question, but maybe if the bigger ones are still portraits or more bodies and the smaller one maybe more just 
fragments of the body or still a whole body? I don't know. Think, thinking about that. No, that's, I think you're dead on. Um, sometimes the, the, I feel like I'm exhausting the word, but the entities, sometimes they, and often they, they come through in the little ones, but you're right. It's usually more a fragment. It's, it's as if you pulled a, pulled a detail out of these big ones. And, and that's usually what happens in the smaller, um, not always, but maybe half and half the time. Um, but no, I think you're onto something that the larger ones can, you know, contain a larger bolder form and, and uh, yeah, they have more room to breathe kind of and to stretch <laughs> uh, these postures and everything. I can, um, yeah, I, that definitely. And also there, I always work vertically and, you know, they, they always say like in your art classes, uh, what is it? Horizontal kind of relates to the landscape. Yeah. And vertical to, to, a, um, to the human figure. So I think that's definitely part of it that, I see it as um, relating to, and maybe I hope the viewer does. You know what? I don't know. It's so, I'm so internal and I'm so alone in the studio. I mean, you guys are artists. Do you, does it make sense when I say they're forms? Do you, do you get it? Do you see them as forms? Definitely, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, figures. Okay. I, I never know how viewers actually um, experience them. Not that you would have to. I mean, it, it could just be an abstract form, but to know the full story, you, you, I think it's good to see that. Uh, I'm wondering if you work on one uh, painting at a time, thinking about these entities and thinking about how the bodies relate to one to another, if you're working on multiple paintings at the same time, or if you focus on one until it's finished. You know what? Always until this last year, it was one. It was one at a time. Um, and the big ones, usually one at a time. But... Uh, over the last year, maybe longer, uh, I, I will work on several small at a time and then, you know, kind of pick one for that day to, to focus on and go back into because I want to uh, have those kind of layers build up over time. So if I was just doing one, you know, oil paint, it's got to dry and I, I couldn't come in every day, which I, I do work almost every day. Uh, I couldn't go back into the same one over and over and over. So yeah, there's usually three to four small ones on the floor at any given time. And maybe one big one brewing slowly in the background. But, you know, I just said, I just got this new large panels delivered. Oh my goodness. It's, it's going to be a slow, long process. I think what I'll do is have small ones in process kind of parallel alongside as I chip away at these big ones. Cause I don't see them being done for, I mean, probably literally years. I don't know. I have a show in November and that, I mean, definitely not by then. I don't think we'll see. <laughs> but so during COVID, I was in the studio a lot and worked um, pretty extensively through that time. So the work's piled up. I've got, <laughs> it's piled up in every corner. I have lots of, lots of work to choose from, but these, these new guys won't be ready for a long time. <laughs> we have three words that we want, um, we would like you to uh, share about with us. And these words are rest, play, and nurture. And we're curious to know what they mean to you and your practice. Rest, nurture, and play. Um, play, I'll start with that one because so much of my process, I feel like, is that. It, it, um, I, because I start, you know, without a study or plan, um, just the I mean, there's a lot of joy there. There's a lot of playful aspect to that. Those first, 
the first layers is just completely wide open. You know, at the end of the painting, you get, you're attached, you're invested. It's, you know, you're almost there. You just have to tweak. And, and that, that gets a little more anxiety ridden, but the beginning really is just play. And so that, um, that really feels wonderful. Um, nurture. Hmm. I mean, I'm a mother. So of course that part comes to mind, but I don't know. In some ways, I feel like I compartmentalize my motherhood and my art to some degree. I'm, I don't know. I'm sure they feed each other, but um, nurture. In terms of studio life, I guess I'll go back to that, to what I described earlier is when the forms are complete, I feel a lot of empathy for them. And maybe that's feeling empathy for myself. I don't know. But yeah, I guess nurture comes into that, that when the, when the painting is done, I, I feel very... Um, yeah, kind of empathetic and loving toward it. <laughs> and rest, gosh, that one, that one stumps me. I don't know. I guess I'll approach it this way. Um, when the paintings are done, I kind of put them to the side and they, they don't get titled for a, a long time. This one, I honestly, for this purpose, I kind of had to rush and title it. So maybe I think of it that way, that they kind of get put to the side to rest, to fully kind of become themselves completely. And, and I don't title a piece until it's um, going off to a show or in the rare instances of being, um, if it's purchased, you know, I need to title it. Yeah, but when they're done, they rest on the wall for weeks, months, sometimes longer until, until the title comes to me. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you. Thank you both so much for inviting me and um, for your new project. I'm excited to see how it continues. Thank you for joining us. The Artist Praxis podcast is created by Deborah Fation Grodsky and Sarah Ariagada. Original music by André Javi. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe and leave us a review. That will help us reach a broader audience. If you are an artist and would like to be interviewed, or if you would like more information about the podcast, please visit artistpraxis.com.